Thanks for joining us today for the Ramp Church podcast. We pray that you'll be uplifted, empowered and revived by this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Ram Church Manchester or would like to partner with us in giving, visit us over on our website, ramp.church/mcr or find us on social media. Now let's get into this week's message. so great to be with you today and I look across this room I see so many friends uh, I was just thinking earlier as I was here for the pre-prayer I was like Lord Manchester is just full of my favorite people Come on. it's like coming up to Manchester it's like feels like a kid coming into a candy store and you know when you go to have you ever been to one of those like vintage candy stores where they sell all the stuff that they haven't sold since you were like 12 years old so that's sometimes I feel like this. I'm like, ah, I haven't seen that guy for so long. So it's so good as I look across uh, this wonderful family, uh, my Manchester family, amen? amen. All right, that was, uh, I'll give you a, you're still warming up. I'll give you a second go at that one. <clears throat> it's so good to be here, guys, with my, my Manchester family. Amen. Wow. Can you feel the love tonight? All this morning. So it's just an honor to be here, and it's a real honor to be for the first time on a Sunday morning in ramp with my Isaac, my promised wife, my Katya. So, why don't you just stand up and wave to everyone? Just in case some people are like, was, was that actor from the fifth element in church today? You know, no, Katya just likes dyeing her hair orange because it's the fire of God on her head. Amen. Amen. But I really feel so excited as well because not only am I amongst friends and family, but I really genuinely feel God has dropped a word in me that I've never preached before. In fact, on a subject I don't think I've ever preached on before, but something that I really feel will bless you and help you. Has anybody been to the doctors? I remember when I was in Manchester, I had this rash that would kind of like keep coming at random parts of my body. Don't worry, I'm not going to go into too much details and I don't have any photos. Uh, But I went to the doctor and they start asking you questions about your lifestyle. They start, maybe they'll tap you here and there and say, does this hurt? They may say, go, ah, or bip your knee. And they they start doing an assessment of what's happening in your life so they can help you by getting to the root of the fruit and solving the core issue so that you can live the life that God intended you to. And who knows, maybe some of us, not me, but some of us in this room are at the age where it's also wise to go for a regular checkup. I'm not going to ask for any hands to be raised, but there are some times, this is some point, where you get to an age where it's actually wise to go for a regular checkup so that they can catch anything that's not what God designed for you to live in. They can catch it early and you can know what you put to your faith to and you can know what you're fighting against. And in fact, some of you may realize this, that if you got a big promotion at work and you became the executive director, because they've got to put insurance on your life often, they'll actually ask you before you get the promotion to do a health check and the doctor will check your blood pressure and do all of these things. And this morning, I feel like there's a spiritual health check that God is inviting us to enter into. And none of this is going to be me being rah, rah, rah. This is me inviting you to allow the Holy Spirit to do a checkup from the neck up. Because just on a total side note here, like it is not the preacher, and this is liberating for me and for any preacher, it's not the preacher's role to convict people of sin. Amen. It's great. That's great. That's the Holy Ghost. So I just hand that over to the Holy Ghost right now. But I would like us to have a heart open uh, to, 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 to check this because 
I'm blessed to have done pastoring in my life and do like spiritual directing and mentoring and coaching. And, and what you do when someone's kind of pouring their heart out, telling you about their life, what's going on, you're just in your spirit, just in your heart. And Pastor Joe will tell this. You just ask, Holy Spirit, show me the cause of this. Because you want to help people. And you say, Holy Spirit, show me the causes. And, and as you get experience in pastoring, there's just some regular notes that just keep emerging. Can I get an amen? Even if you're just a seasoned Christian, you know, you start asking questions like, uh, is there any unforgiveness in your life? You start asking questions, do you have a regular like, time with God in the morning? And there's certain things that just like a doctor will go through your physical activity, a good spiritual counsellor will start asking you some questions in your life to check out and give you an answer. And this is one of the questions that any good spiritual advisor, anybody who loves you will get you to ask. And it's this, what is your relationship to holy authority? What is your relationship like with authority? Because a wrong understanding and a wrong heart posture towards authority is one of the greatest causes of good Christians, lovely brothers and sisters in Christ, not walking and living in the fullness of the power that we can live in. The Bible actually says that you are called to reign in Christ, as kings. Demons are meant to tremble when you pray. We're called overcomers, not undercomers. We're not underdogs. We're victorious. And yet I know in my life, a lot of my life, I've not walked in the fullness that God has called me to walk in. And this is one of the areas that we need to do a checkup in our lives of are we living in and through the authority of God? Now, this is a subject that might require touching some bruised areas of our lives. And, 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 and I want you to know I'm on your side. God is on your side and we love you. But can we have the honesty and the vulnerability this morning to come together as a family and say, okay, Holy Spirit, check up. In, in, in fact, you know, I believe in the gift of a teacher, but I also believe that there is a teacher with a capital T. And that's the Holy Spirit. And he says, he will teach you all things. Can we just, in honor of the Holy Spirit, just stand up right now? And, 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 and can we just close your eyes if you can? I guess everyone can, but close your eyes if you feel comfortable with that. And I would just like you to posture your heart and say, okay, Holy Spirit, teach me today. Come on, just even in your own words, just say, Holy Spirit, speak to me this morning. Holy Spirit, do a checkup in my heart. Do a checkup in my life because I want to walk in the fullness of your truth. Just speak to him right now. Posture your heart. And you know what? I, I, I'm preaching without notes and, and so I can, might, it might come out not quite the right way. And so can you just pray for me that the Holy Spirit will put his words in my mouth and I'll, I'll navigate this tender subject in a way that the Holy Spirit wants to. So just, just pray for me because I need the Holy Spirit to teach through me. So Holy Spirit, I surrender my mouth to you. I surrender my heart to you. I pray let this come out in the way that you want it to come out. So let's just posture our heart there and we're going to, I would like you to stay standing in, in honour of the word, but we're going to go to our scripture right now, which is Luke chapter 7. And let's just not switch off. Come on, let's not switch off. In fact, let's just stay here a little bit. Can we just stay here a little bit? I feel like there's just, let's just, it's easy. I've been to church most of my life and it's easy to sit and click into rhythms and routines and to switch off. I've been there, I've done that. But can we just switch on to God right now?
Come on, is there anybody in here that wants to hear God's life-giving word spoken into them, taken by the Holy Spirit and applied to them so that they can walk in all that God has them for? Is there anybody in here today? Okay, come on, let's cry out to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, come on, be with us today. Holy Spirit, teach us today. Holy Spirit, whisper your words in us today. I want to hear a word in season. I don't want to hear a man speaking air. I want to hear your word in my life. Holy Spirit, we give you lordship of this place. We give you lordship of this sermon. We give this over to you and say, Holy Spirit, speak and flow through this place in Jesus' name. Luke chapter 7 says this. Do we have it on the screens? We do. After Jesus had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, They pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him. For he loves our nation, and he is one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went to them. And when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but Speak the word, say the word, utter a word, and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And I say to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, marveled at him. And he turned around to the crowd that were following him and said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. This centurion who was not in covenant with God, he was not brought up under Jewish tutelage. He didn't have the understanding of the scriptures. And yet Jesus said, this is the person who has more faith than anyone I've met. That, if you're looking for compliments, right? That's pretty much up there with Jesus. So what is it that this centurion understood that I can understand so I can apply it to my life? What is it that this centurion was boosted his faith so that he could not only get this wonderful compliment from Jesus, but he got the victory over sickness. He got the victory over the devil. In fact, it wasn't even over his life. He was able to be used because of his faith for someone else to receive their healing. What is it? The centurion's faith was bolstered by a revelation of authority. His faith was built on a revelation of authority that no one else around him had. What was his understanding of authority? The centurion understood, and you need to write this down if you're taking notes. Today, the title, if you're writing notes, which I encourage everyone to do, I know all you that have phones out, I know you're not on Instagram, I know you're on your Evernote, just taking notes, amen. Today, we're talking about holy authority. And this is what the centurion understood. 
This alone is worth coming to church today, I believe. He understood that to be in authority, you had to be under authority. To operate in authority, you had to submit to authority. You could put it this way. The level of authority that you're exercising in your life is the same level as you are submitting to in your life. Some of us make a lot of noise and demons smile. The centurion understood authority and he said, Jesus, just say the word. You don't even need to be here. You don't need to shout. You don't need to dance. You don't need to get a sweat up. You don't need a band. Just speak the word and it will happen because I recognize the authority on Jesus' life. What is authority? Authority is delegated power. Authority is delegated power. The difference between authority and other types of power is authority is delegated power, where other power is what we could call raw power. So let me give you an example. If I wanted to run a marathon, 23 miles, I have to rely upon my body's fitness and health to be able to do that. I have to rely on my power and my strength to do it. That's raw power. However, if I got in my car and turned the engine on, I can drive 23 miles in a way that doesn't take any training, amen. Because when I'm running, I'm using my raw power. When I get in my car, come on, I am seated in the power of that car and that car will take me places. Authority is delegated power and its opposite is raw power. Now get this, you want to write this down because this really is worth coming to church just for this. All Christian power, all spiritual power, all the power that is available in your life, all the power that will help you to live in an overcoming state that God intended you to. Watch this. All Christian power is delegated power. Do you get that? Do you grab that? All spiritual power is delegated power. All Christian power is delegated power. Now watch that. This means that when you're relying in your power, in your raw power, you're not operating in spiritual power. Because all Christian power does not rely upon you and your ability and your good looks and your communication skills or your singing skills or your ability to to discipline your flesh or your ability to know the Bible or your capacity to be a morning person and wake up. It doesn't depend upon you. Christianity is not about your raw power. It's about how much you are operating in authority of God, in the delegated power of God and when you step from trying to do it yourself and have a DIY relationship with Christianity and you step into a revelation of spiritual authority it's the difference between trying to run a marathon and getting in a car and letting the power of that engine take you to places you could never go all Christian power is delegated power So that means that if we don't have a right relationship with authority, we will not walk in the spiritual power that we are called to. What did the Roman understand? He understood this, that authority allows unity. A correct relationship with authority enables unity. Why did the Romans conquer the known world? 
not because they were smarter, not because they were better looking, they weren't as educated as the Greeks, they didn't have a revelation of God like the Jews. Why is it that the Romans conquered the known world, even these lands? I think they just about got to Manchester and then they turned back to Rome, right? <laughs> They're like, these guys are too much for us. But, but, but why? Because Romans understood the power of unity. Romans understood the power and the strength of being united. Because what would happen, these kind of like crazy William Wallace, Braveheart guys with their paint, faces painted would run out of the Germanic woods being like, oh, we're scary and everything. And they'd come with their swords and their axes and they'd throw themselves against a wall of shields. Come on, you need to catch this because Jesus is using this as an example for you to understand authority and live victorious in your life. They'd throw themselves against a wall of Roman shields and the Roman soldier would know that Joe on my right is protecting me with his shield and my wife on my left is protecting me with her shield and someone behind me is putting a shield over me and the strength in unity meant that even the, the Germans that were an, an average of a foot taller than the Romans, the Romans were very small people, but they operated in the unity because they had a revelation of authority and when you step out of authority you step out of community and out of unity and you step out of the delegated power that Christ has bestowed upon you authority is delegated power and Jesus wants to delegate all power to you He's conquered the enemy. He's taken the keys. The enemy is victorious and defeated. And the only time he can really get at you is when we step out of the delegated authority that God has put upon our lives. So I want to ask you, what is the basis of your understanding of authority? You remember those uh, adverts, should have gone to Specsavers? We all see things through lenses. In fact, sometimes my wife is like, my dear, my dear, look, it is so beautiful, Scar, look at the sun. And I'm like, what? It is pink and orange. And I'm like, what? And she's like, oh, I have my sunglasses on. <laughs> and I'm walking with my glasses and she can just see this. Because you know when you, you see the sunset in sunglasses, it looks so much nicer. And she's like, oh no, wear these, my dear. <laughs> because how you see things affects how you respond. And I want to ask you, what are the lenses which orientate your heart towards an understanding of authority? Is it culture? Is it your experience? Or is it Jesus? Now, the answer is, for all of us, to different degrees, culture. Yeah, it's a mixture. Don't be so naive that the culture that you were born into, that you lived and swum and walked in before you could even speak, don't, we cannot be so naive to not think that our culture deeply affects the way we see things, especially when it comes to something like authority. Can I get an amen? Can I get some honesty? Like my culture, I mean, I went to America when I was 19 and I was like, oh my gosh, I am British. <laughs> and then I married a Russian and I was like, I am so English, my Lord. I've never felt so English as when I'm with my Russian family, just sat there polite and quiet, queuing up for everything, while they were like, nya, 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 like this. and I'm like, darling, are we, is everyone having an argument? They're like, no, we are just deciding where we go for dinner tonight. And I'm like, okay, I'm so English. Because you're formed by your culture. But I want to ask you, how is your understanding of authority been formed by your culture? Because I'll tell you how we do it in England. How we do it in England 
is we are cynical. The, the way we deal with authority in this country is through the spitting image approach. You've seen spitting image? It's the not the nine o'clock news. Literally, it is mock the week. Like, you know there's that, that comedy, right? Mock the week. That's how we do it. And I mean, it'd be an interesting lecture to go through. But literally from the 17th century, it is how British people have dealt with overbearing leaders. The French chopped their head off. The Americans started throwing tea into the ocean, which is a waste of tea. And the British people, we kept on with what we're doing and we just mocked everybody. Hey, can I get an amen? That's basically how we do it, yeah? That is basically how we do it. I remember uh, 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 when Joe came over, I said, Joe, if you want to understand British culture, watch an episode of West Wing. Has anyone seen West Wing? It's this like heroic vision of what the President of the United States could be. And it's like Jed Bartlett, and he's the most perfect, intelligent professor, and he's brilliant. And his only weakness is sometimes he's too passionate. And I'm like, only Americans could make that TV program about a heroic, perfect president. You need to understand British culture, and you need to watch Yes Minister, <laughs> which is just this series of mocking this guy who accidentally became prime minister, basically, who has no idea what's going on. I'm like, you need to watch one episode next to the other and understand British culture because we've got an anti-heroic culture. We've got an anti-authoritarian culture. And I'm not here today to speak about whether that's a good or bad thing in dealing with natural authority, because the subject of our message today is how you deal with holy authority. But you need to start this subject by knowing that the, your cultural training, your cultural conditioning starts with being suspicious and skeptical about authority. In fact, there's even been a shift in the last 10, 15 years in our country where we've gone from being a bit skeptical, a bit cynical, a little bit, okay, yes, sure, spitting image, to assuming that anybody in authority is evil and corrupt. Has anyone noticed there's even a shift? That if you're rich, somehow you must have exploited the workers. I don't know how, but you must have. If you're powerful, you must somehow be like a sex abuser or something. We live in a world where we assume the worst of power. Now, um, that's not my subject, but what is my subject is to know this is how we've been conditioned. And we need, need a renewing of our mind and a new revelation of what holy authority is, of what spiritual authority is, if we're going to flow in the kingdom. Can I get an amen? amen? Our understanding of authority is impacted by our cultural formation, our experience. And I want to say, I know many of us in this place have been disappointed disappointed by people who were in authority, disappointed in ourselves, disappointed and let down by people who shouldn't have let us down, from parents to whoever. And you need to go through a journey because ultimately you will not be an overcomer if you allow your experience to determine your theology. If you allow your experience to define the positioning of your heart instead of allowing Jesus to define the position of your heart. You see, I'm not speaking out of someone that's just had an easy life the whole, my whole life. Before I came to Manchester, I was part of a church that, how can we say this, had cult-like tendencies. In fact, it was so bad that I'm not going to say the name, but the denomination, Pentecostal denomination, that is the oldest denomination in this country, oldest Pentecostal denomination in this country, when they found out about it and when it was sorted out, the head of that denomination said, in the hundred years of our denomination, we have never known a situation that is as bad as your situation. They said, 
you all, because I was on the leadership team, you all need counselors, and we will be paying for your counseling. The, 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 the manipulation, the spiritual abuse, the sexual abuse, the financial abuse, the abuse of power was so bad that the head of the denomination said, when he heard about it, he said in his mind, he actually said to his friend, we no longer have a church in Exeter. It's over. There is no way a church can recover from that. I'm not going to go through all the details, but the a leader who would openly humiliate his sub-leaders as a way of keeping them in check. I remember some of my first messages. Maybe I'm going to go through it. <laughs> Group therapy, guys, pray for me. I remember, you know, when you preach, you put yourself out there a bit. And I remember my first messages. He would take them apart in an email that he would CC in the whole team. Oh, I mean, you know, oh, Lord, like, especially not straight after the sermon. Like, give it a day or so, you know. And, and he, would, he would openly humiliate people. So I understand what it is like to be in those situations. But I can also tell you that it is best to allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in your life and purify your heart so that you come to a place in he, of healing rather than constantly just picking out the past. You see, often we see Thomas, and Thomas is the, the image of the skeptic. And too often we, we kind of paint Thomas as this intellectual, don't we? I've, I've heard it. It's this kind of like this, this real empiricist, a materialist, who is like, well, we have to examine the phenomena of the resurrection in a first-hand empirical way before we can conduce any conclusions that Jesus may or may not have been risen from the dead. But that was not Thomas's story. Thomas was not an intellectual. Thomas was not a, a materialistic skeptic. Thomas was hurt. Thomas was burnt out. Thomas had put all of his eggs in the Jesus basket and the basket got crucified. He trusted in the man who he expected to save him from the Romans only to watch him with his own eyes be crucified by the very Romans that he was expecting the Messiah to destroy and give the kingdom back to Israel. Thomas was hurt. He was broken and frustrated and angry at God. And when everyone came, Thomas, great news, hallelujah, he is risen from the dead. And he's like, cool story. I won't believe it. I've believed people's preaching before. I've heard this message before. I swore to myself when that last leader let me down, never again. I'm out. I'm done. I'm checked out. It's me and myself. I'm by myself in this journey. And I rely on one person. And his name begins with T. And he said, I am believing it till I see it. But watch this. Skepticism isn't a sign of intelligence. It's a protection of the ego. Cynicism requires no intellectual activity. It requires no love. It requires no courageous risk of who you are to be cynical. Nothing. Cynicism is the easiest thing in the world. Having a critical spirit requires no critical thinking. It is simply a defense mechanism to protect your ego because it's hurt and bruised. And I've been there. I'm not speaking out of non-experience. But you need to understand, as we often lift up comedians for their humorous, cynical spirit, that it doesn't actually require much intelligence to be that way. Thomas was hurt and he was protecting his heart with his detached, cynical attitude. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit today, Lord, is there a Thomas in my soul? Is there a Thomas in my soul? 
Is there a cancer of skepticism? Is there a cancer? Because it, cynicism and skepticism is the cancer of faith. And if the centurion allowed that cancer to grow, his servant would have died. But there's another character in the Bible, Nathan. And Jesus says, this is a man without guile, without cynicism, without suspicion, without, well, God has called me to check the pastor's theology. And every, every Sunday afternoon, I will write him a letter talking to him about how his theology isn't quite laying. No, no, no. Nathan had a pure heart. And do you know what Jesus said about Nathan? Nathan, you will see angels ascending and descending. Why? Watch this, watch this. You cannot see the things of the Spirit when your heart is filled with skepticism. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I don't know about you, but I want to see God. If that means I've got to speak to myself and say, no longer playing the cynic, no longer playing the skeptic, no longer sitting down in the seat of Thomas and checking myself out of church, checking myself out of sermons that hurt, checking myself out of prayer meetings that feel a bit too intense, no longer checking out with my cynicism because I got hurt last time, I'm going to trust God. Amen. You see, Jesus has to be our example of our relationship to holy authority. And what was Jesus' example? He said, I do nothing unless I see the Father doing it. Jesus had more spiritual power and more spiritual authority than any other person that had ever walked upon the earth because he was more submitted to the will of the Father than any other person. That was the source of Jesus' authority. The Bible says in, in, in Philippians 2 that he emptied himself. He poured himself out. So Jesus didn't have any raw power. He didn't have power that was in his possession that he could use when and where, how he wanted. The only power he had was delegated power. And that's why he could, he could only do what he saw the Father doing. It wasn't like he was just being nice and obedient. He couldn't do anything else because he was living in a delegated power. And what power he was living in. And that's why when he stood before the high priest and they're mocking him and they're doing all the things, what did Jesus say? Nothing. Why? Why didn't he say anything? He could have said a lot, I imagine. Why? Because the Bible says, do not speak evil against your leaders. And if Jesus had said anything, it would have been criticizing his leadership. If he'd spoken truth, it would have been criticizing leadership. Watch this, watch this. Jesus decided not to speak truth out of a critical spirit. He preferred to be silent. Maybe some of us need to be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit can say, yeah, you can say all these things and guess what, you'd be right, but it's coming from a wrong spirit. Because I'm not talking about being servile and minus and yes, pastor, whatever you say, pastor, of course, pastor, you are right, pastor. That's not what we're talking about here, okay? Can we just get that out of the room? We're not talking about that. And Joe would be like, okay, Lord, right, whatever demon that is that's speaking, get him out of him. We're talking about a heart posture. We're talking about an attitude. We're talking about the position of your heart towards holy authority that could unleash incredible power through your life. And Jesus didn't say anything. Paul, when he was before the high priest, and he said something, and they slapped him around the face. And I love Paul. Paul is a tiger. Like, that's basically a picture of Paul's soul right there, okay? And he said, God will smash you, you whitewashed tomb. <laughs> it's a real people person. And you know what? They said to him, they said, you cannot, how can you say that to the high priest? Do you know what Paul's response was? I mean, this, talking about a back down. I'm, I, this is one of the things, the times I'm like most proud of Paul. 
I'm like, like, that's my guy. I like that guy. He has just basically said, God will strike you, you whitewashed tomb. And they said, that's, don't talk, speak to the high priest like that. Major back down. He said, sorry. Paul said, sorry. I didn't realise that it was the high priest. Because it says, do not speak evil of the high priest. This isn't a Christian. This is a person who'd rejected Jesus. This is a person that was persecuting the church. This is a person that was killing his brothers and his sisters in Christ. This is a person who smacked him in the face or had him smacked in the face, even though that was against the law. And Paul backed down. I mean, talk about a back down. That's not just deleting the tweet you know you shouldn't have sent out. That's not just saying, okay, sorry, let's move on. No, he said, I'm sorry because you shouldn't speak evil of the high priest. Paul knew that if he stepped out of God's authority, he would step out of God's protection. And so he would prefer to humble himself and stay in the delegated authority that God had given him than be right. You know what? Being right is overrated. I prefer to be undercover than be right. God wants to give you so much delegated power But watch this. Every person will have to go through a season in your life in which this area of your life is tested. No one in this room is exempt. And I would even say every season of your life, God will check this. Just like a doctor will check some things to see like, okay, are you still responding to spiritual authority correctly? In fact, I think there are a lot of people that God really wants to give spiritual promotions to in the kind of power, in the kind of authority, in the kind of victory, in the kind of calmness that you walk in, the kind of peace. Because walking in authority leads to a person walking in peace. Literally, some of us, we don't have peace in our life because we're not walking under authority and in authority. You don't have confidence. You've got self-esteem issues because you're not walking in authority and therefore under the authority of God. And God is wanting to let you pass the test. You see, I was saying to someone, saying to someone yesterday, um, you know, like God looks at you like Michelangelo looks at a piece of stone. We all pass a piece of stone. We say, that's a big, fat, ugly piece of stone. Cool, cool story, move on. Michelangelo goes, I can see David in that. I, I can see the paeta in that. I, I could turn that into one of the greatest masterpieces that humanity has ever seen. And that's how God looks at you. Everyone else just passes you on the street and God looks at you and says, I can make something of that. I, I, can, what that. I can do something really beautiful here. I can do something powerful. I can do something that will speak to people through this. But you know what? The stone would probably be like, oh yeah, Michelangelo's chosen me. Hallelujah. And they're all like, thing. And so they cut off the big stone to Michelangelo's studio and the stone's like, see you later, loser stones. And then Michael gets his chisel and his hammer out and starts bang, bang, bang. Chisel, chisel, chisel. And you responded to God's call when he said, I have know your name. I have chosen you from the moment of your conception. You are beloved. You are my chosen people. And you're like, yes, Lord. And then God got his chisel out and sees how you respond to authority. You see, (laughs) submission isn't submission if you're in agreement, okay? Submission isn't, I agree with everything that Pastor Joe has ever said, therefore I've submitted to him. No, you're just in agreement. And that's good, but that's not yet submission. Submission comes when one ego has to submit. Do you see, have you you ever been driving on 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 the road and there's a big sign that says give way? 
I don't give way to anyone in the name of Jesus. I am a son of God, a child of the Most High. I walk in the favor. Give way, no way. Crash. And some of us are walking through our life and there's God's like, give way signs, give way signs. No, I bind that in the name of Jesus. I shall not give way. Because submitting to humility is one of God's favorite ways of crucifying your ego. Submitting to a season where you don't understand what is going on is one of God's favorite ways of allowing you to die to yourself. Because watch this. All spiritual authority starts with this revelation. Holy authority starts with holy awe. Holy authority starts with holy awe. You see, I use the word holy here because the word holy doesn't mean moral. Sometimes we use it in that way in the English language, but that's not what it means in the Bible. It's not what it means in the Greek. It's not what it means in the Hebrew. Holy means from another dimension. So when we say God is holy, 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 we're saying he is from a totally other, other, other dimension. And so when we're talking about holy authority, we're talking about delegated power that is delegated from another dimension, not a human dimension. And if you want to operate in the dimension of God, then you need to operate under, in an understanding of holy authority. And holy authority starts with holy awe. Holy authority starts with holy awe. The authority that you will walk in is determined by the awe in which you hold God. You see, awe is an interesting psychological category. Awe is the combination of something which is overwhelmingly beautiful and overwhelmingly powerful. See, when you see something that's overwhelmingly beautiful, you're attracted to it. You're like, wow. When you see something that's overwhelmingly like scary, you're like, ah, oh, that could destroy me very easily. But when you see something like a mountain, for example, that is both overwhelmingly beautiful that you're drawn to it and overwhelmingly terrifying that, that you're drawn away from it, then you're living in this space of holy awe. And we are meant to live in the awe of God, which means that when we have a glimpse of his majesty and his power, we're like, okay. This is serious. You see, this is why the children of Israel, when they encountered the living God on the mountain and it shook and there were trumpets and there was fire and there was thunder, they weren't like zippity doo da, zippity day. They were like, oh my gosh, Moses, you talk to him because he will destroy us. And I've been in situations where I felt the presence of God starting to come on me in such a way, I don't know if anyone else has had this, that I'm like, okay, that's enough, stop here. Because I am entering into that holy fear, that holy awe. And we need to understand understand that spiritual authority, holy authority, starts with living in the awe of God. And you need a revelation of the Father's love. And it's great to sit on the Father's lap and just let him hug you in the spirit. That's awesome. I love it. But there's also a side where you have to realize that this relationship is not a person-to-person relationship. Your relationship with God is not a relationship of equals. It is a relationship of a creator and his created being. And you are not the creator. You are not on equal terms with God. He is so much bigger and much smarter and more powerful than you that if he stopped loving you for three seconds, you would cease to exist. The Bible says Christ holds all things in the power of his word. If he let you go for three seconds, you would cease to exist. You see, we have a revelation which is right of human rights. And God bless the Americans. How did you put it? We believe that Every man is created equal and endowed by their creator with inalienable rights. 
And we live now in a world that in some ways is obsessed with human rights. And that's not a bad thing. But this is important. This is so important. Get this, get this. Human rights work on a human-to-human relationship. Human rights do not work on a creator-created basis. God gave you human rights. He can take away your human rights. You have no rights before God other than what he has given you. We have to come before God with a sense of awe and power. Let's, let's, get, let's get serious. God is inviting you into a space where he no longer has to negotiate with you to get you to do what he is asking you to do. He's inviting you into a place so that when you read the scriptures, you're not reading it like you're reading Dale Carnegie's self-help books. That's good advice. And maybe I might even apply it to your life. You are reading holy scriptures that are a command of God, not the advice of God, not just the wisdom of God. Not, well, you know, if you don't have any other way, you could do it this way. When we come before the scriptures with a revelation of what holy authority is, you don't have to understand the scriptures to obey the scriptures. And too often we live in a world which says, I need to understand before I believe. But God is saying, you need to believe in order to understand. And if you wait till you understand before you believe, you'll be waiting your whole life because your brain is simply too small. Your IQ is simply too low. Your imagination is simply too limited to even begin to get the smallest glimpse of the majesty and the power and the awe and the authority authority of the living God because he's the God that the same God that John rested on his chest in a moment of intimacy and love is the same God that when he appeared to the same John just a few years later John didn't say hey let's hug it out bro he collapsed on the floor he said as if I was dead as he had a revelation not just of the humanity and the love of God but a revelation of the awe of God Holy authority starts with holy awe. And until we walk in that holy awe, we will never walk in the holy authority that God has called us into. I've got a couple more points. Are you okay? Can we stay here? Because this is really important. Holy authority does not work in a hierarchy. We're used to thinking about power as the boss, the second boss, the third boss, the fourth boss, and then we're all the way down here cleaning the toilets or something, okay? Holy authority does not work in a hierarchy. It works in a constellation. You know, in the same way that the sailors used to learn how to navigate around by looking at the stars and the constellation and saying, hey, if the stars are right and the stars are always right, we're in the wrong place. Holy authority, the way that God has delegated power on earth is not a flat hierarchy, it's a constellation. Constellation. It's like a triangle, like, but not like that. A triangle of three things that's flat. So stay with me a little bit. I know this is a little bit teaching, but we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, this is going to be worthwhile. And there are the three holies of God's delegated power on the earth. Number one, the Holy Spirit. Number two, the Holy Scriptures. And number three, the Holy Community. 
But this is not a hierarchy because just like the Trinity is each one is in each the other and each is related to the other, so these three pillars, you could say, these three stars in the sky of God's authority that will help you to navigate your life, they are in relationship with one another. So let me put it this way. The, the Holy Scriptures are inspired by the Holy Spirit and they are applied by the Holy Community. And let let, let me put it this way. You may have the Holy Spirit giving you an inner witness about something to do, but if it doesn't line up with the Holy Scriptures, and if it doesn't line up with the Holy Community and your, your, your community pastor and your pastor and your spiritual friends, if what you feel God is telling you to do doesn't line up with these things, you know you're not in the right place. You see, this is not just a community. You can go to a community group. You can go to a group that supports the same football team or you can go to a group about social action. There's loads of communities. Community is great. Get involved with them. This is not one of those. Like, like, this is a holy community. What does that mean? It means that we are joined together by the Holy Spirit. It means that we have the same language, the same culture from the Holy Scriptures. And you see these three things that help you to work out, God, am I living under and in your authority? They line up, they inform one another because we're a church that isn't filled with the Holy Spirit and isn't living according to the Holy Scriptures will be a church that will soon demise. And so it's our responsibility as a holy community to keep each other accountable to the Holy Scriptures and keep each other inviting, what's the Holy Spirit doing? What's the Holy Spirit doing? You know, you you want to know what Christian leadership is? Christian leadership is finding out what the Holy Spirit is doing and joining in. And and I can preach that with boldness because I know that is the heart of this church. Amen? Now, if we had time, we could explore what your relationship with the Holy Scriptures is. Are you submitted to the Scriptures? Or do you just read it, capture some nice thoughts, cut out all the stuff that's like, "Mm, not sure I agree with that, not not sure I really understand Leviticus, not sure about that. Ah, when are we getting to that Jeremiah 29 part? That's the sort of stuff I like, come on. No, not the stuff before, like three verses before that. No, no, no. Or do you take all of it and you say, Lord, I submit to this, even if I don't understand it. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, come on, and I'm preaching to myself here. How long will you keep the Holy Spirit in a place where he has to constantly prod you about the smallest things. Come on. And this, the Holy Spirit is gentle. He is loving. He is kind. But he's inviting you. He's like, I've got so much for you, but I can't give it to you. Because if I put you in a position in your job, in your family, in church, in your workplace, if I promote you in this way and I start speaking to you and you continue to ignore me, people are going to get hurt. And if you stay in this place of ignoring the holy authority of the Holy Spirit, he won't be able to do what he wants in you and through you because you will hurt people and you will hurt yourself. But actually, this is really coming now to what I feel my whole sermon is about. I'm coming now to actually... Don't worry, it's not like that wasn't the opening. I mean, like I'm climaxing, okay? So that was point one. We've only got seven points, so you're okay. Do you want to hear what I feel God called me up here to tell you today? And I say this as a brother. I say this as someone who really cares for you, really loves you. I I, I say this from someone who has worked this out and is carrying on working this out. But this is what I feel God is wanting to say to a lot of people in here today. Your wrong relationship 
with holy authority is stopping you fully participating in holy community. Your wrong understanding of holy authority is stopping you from participating in the holy community here. I don't know if you've been burnt. I don't know if you've just sucked junk so much of the British cool skipped the British Kool-Aid of skepticism and cynicism. I don't know if you just got taken the independence pill and you think being an independent individual is the most important thing in life. But you see, without a submission to holy authority, there is no community. One of the great things about our marriage, and there's many great things, she comes from a completely different culture than I come from. And I come from a completely different culture than she comes from. And it may once or twice have caused mild conflicts, <clears throat> you know, Russians are such passive people. You know, they just let you walk all over them. Said no one ever. And you know what has, I don't want to say saved our marriage because we're in covenant. So whatever happens, we're in covenant. But one of the things that's helped our marriage is that we decided early on, we are not going to have a marriage based on British values or Russian values, but kingdom values. And only when and only when we submit to kingdom values is our marriage going to be what it could be. So that means, you know, in the midst of arguments, we're both getting our Bibles out. <laughs> and Katja saying, my dear, in the Russian translation, this is what I said, I will translate for you. And I'm like, ah, no, baby girl, I know the Greek. I'm going to the Greek. So I see your Russian card and I trump it with some Greek. And she's like, I also will go to Hebrew. But you see, jokes aside, God is wanting you to be part of a body. And, and, and if it's this thing where it's like, you know, your eye is seeing something ahead, and it's like, uh-oh, this is dangerous. Uh, brain, we need to take a new direction here. And the brain's like, who are you? Like, you know I'm the brain, right? I'm like the master of what goes on. Don't you and your little eyes tell me what's going on ahead. I know what's going on ahead. And then the eye's like, no, seriously, have a look. And the brain's like, oh, yeah, that's not good. Uh, we need to change direction. And your foot's like, I don't see anything. What's the matter? We're quite happy here just going in the direction. I'm quite happy with the routine and the rhythm and all the ways that we've done this. Who are you to tell me what to do? Bam, you're dead. A body only survives when it participates under and through authority. And God is wanting to do something with this community that is serious and will have an impact upon Manchester. But he cannot do it with a discombobulated body. He cannot do it when there is a disjointment about what the brain is saying to the foot and what the foot is feeling with the eye unless there are people that stop taking your foot on the brake because of what happened in the past because you're more concerned about being British than you are about being a Christian. If you take, keep your foot on the brake, this car will not go where God's called it to. But God is inviting you to surrender your fears, to surrender your hang-up, to surrender your Britishness or whatever nation you come from, to surrender your human culture and to say, God, if you've called me here, I'm all in. You see, it's student season and I've worked with students for a long time. And I hear students and, and they, 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 they're, they're working out which church to go to. And they're like, oh, I just love the worship here. It's so good. But the teaching's a little flat. I really love this teaching. It's so powerful and so amazing. But the pastor's not very cool. I mean, have you seen the clothes that he wears? 
Ah, oh, oh, but I love the community groups that these guys have. Oh, and the social justice. I love the social justice angle. But you know what? What about the prophetic word? Oh, yeah, this church in the prophetic word. And what happens? Watch this, watch this. When we become disunited with a wrong understanding of authority, we will slide into consumer church, not kingdom church. Because consumer church says what works for me. Kingdom church says what works for the king. I'm going to say that again. Consumer church says what works for me. Kingdom church, kingdom culture says how does the king get glory? How does the king get lifted up? And guess what? King is a symbol of ultimate authority. Check your heart. Do you have a consumer-based approach to church? Or do you have a kingdom-based approach to church? And what I say to the students when they're trying to work out where to go, I say, it's really easy. Like, it really is easy. Where is God calling you? And he might not call, call you to the coolest church. He might not call you. This is, in fact, he will... Can I just take another minute? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> take Be- many other minutes. <laughs> Everyone laughed. No one said amen. They're like, ha, ha, ha. I submit to your authority, Joe. Yeah, all the minutes are yours, Rob. The prop... A problem that we can have if we have a consumer-based church is all the people that love the prophetic go to the prophetic church. All the people that love the social justice go to the social justice church. All the people that love the pioneer apostolic church go to the apostolic church. All the people that love worship go to the church with the cool lights and the great worship team. And we become like a tribes, not a body. God didn't call us to be tribes. He called us to be a body. But this is so important because submitting to holy authority does mean submitting to the representative of the community. That's your pastoral team. You see, being a pastor and being part of the pastoral team means you represent the community to God and you represent God to the community. And this is so important because the foot doesn't see what's going on. The hand doesn't get the whole picture and it's the pastoral team and whose God has anointed to, because watch this, the church is like an ecosystem and an ecosystem has to have the right balance. And if you get the balance wrong, then things go wrong. Let me say that again. When you get the balance wrong, then things go wrong. And you're thinking, there's not enough prophetic stuff going on here because God's called you to bring the prophetic. Oh, there's not enough social justice here. I'm going to go somewhere. No, God has called you to bring the social justice to this body. If God's called you to this body, there is something in you that he's calling out for other people's sakes. Are you fully participating in this holy community? Come on, I, I don't want to just hype you up here. Ask yourself, be honest with yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what is stopping me from fully participating in this holy community? Is it too busy? Is it chip on my shoulder? Am I hurt by the past? Am I kind of just a joy rider and I'm just sitting here for the, for the joy and I'm not participating? God is inviting you to participate fully in the holy community so that he can endow you with the holy authority that will let you walk in the fullness of the power that he's called you to. Let's stand up. And if the band can come down here right now. Holy Spirit, why don't you close your eyes and let's just finish this off with with seeing what the Holy Spirit has because, you know, 
there can be inspirational words and stuff like that, but we, you need now to have a moment with the Holy Spirit for Him to speak to you, for Him to challenge you, for Him to encourage you. Because God is God, like, well, I just feel so strongly, God is wanting, desperate to do something so serious with this body, with this holy community. And Joe and Stacy's holiness walk, Joe and Stacy's submissive, Joe and Stacy's prayer life is not enough. A holy community needs a body where everyone is participating by submitting to the authority of God, the authority of Holy Scriptures, the authority of the Holy Spirit and the authority of the holy community. God is inviting you. Will you participate? Will you come all in? This is the, if he's called you here, he's called you into full participation. You can start when you want because I want to just, I told you that I'd, I'd struggled and suffered spirit, spiritual abuse in my life serious abuse of spiritual power in my life and 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 I remember when I was in the car and I just got ripped up publicly by my pastor and I'm there and I'm like God I'm checking out I can't do this I haven't got the strength to. I'm out I'm out I'm done and you know what the Holy Spirit said to me in this tone he said not now not this way and I was like whoa that was not my inner voice that was the Holy Ghost. Two times the Holy Spirit has spoken to me in that firm tone. Not now, not this way. And I was like, okay. Okay, God, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. Has anyone else heard God speak to them in that way? And I'm like, okay, okay, God, you mean business? I, 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 I'll do it. A month later, our pastor was exposed to the sin that we kind of knew was there and much more than we ever realized. And because I didn't check out, because I chose amongst the pain, amongst the frustration, amongst the disappointment, amongst God didn't explain to me why he wasn't letting me go. Amongst that, as the pastor was taken out, I was positioned, I was in a position where the people in the church knew me and trusted me so that I could lead it and help navigate it into the next season and hand it over to the next pastor over a nine month period. And then God did release me and he brought me to this beautiful sunny city called Manchester. But this is important. If I'd stepped out of authority, not only would I have lost out, but the community would have lost out. Not only would I have lost out, I would never have understood, oh, I would never have understood the end of the story. And I just feel God saying, some of you have checked out before the end of the story. And you're disappointed in me and you're frustrated in me and you're hurt with me because you checked out before the end of the story. And yes, there's going to be sometimes we only find out the end of the story in the next life. But I'm here to say, God is saying, don't check out in your heart. Don't detach in your heart until you see the end. And as we begin to worship right now, I want you to, we want to sing a worship song. I want you to ask God, where do I need to submit to your holy authority?